There are three readings this morning. And the first one is um, from Exodus on page 94 of the Church Bibles. Reading from verse 29 to 35. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out, he told the Israelites what he, what he had been commanded. They saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Uh, the second reading is on page 101, and it is Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 and 35. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And the third reading is in 2 Corinthians, which is on page 1160. And it is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 to 18. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much, Susan. I made it extra complicated for her and for all of you this morning. Personal transformation 
is big business. If you don't like your body, there's plenty you can do. Never fear, you can crunch your abs, you can work your arms, you can squat for your glutes, whatever exercise floats your boat, preferably not during the sermon, please. It's a little bit off-putting. If your skin is dull, first make sure you're drinking your two litres of water a day. I once read a book called You're Not Sick, You're Thirsty. Uh, there is an utterly bewildering array of products to help you cleanse, tone, moisturise, scrub, buff and polish your way to beauty. But no matter what new, improved wonder product you use on your face, I feel confident that you won't achieve a radiant glow like Moses. Now, uh, it'll help you if you've got three fingers in your passage. I don't know how that's going to work with the Bibles in front of you. Uh, we're going to mainly be in the bit on page 94, but we are going to jump to the others as well. So stay on your toes, page 94. This morning we reached the end of our series on Moses, God's people in the desert. We've made it to the end of Exodus. Of course it's not the end of the story of Moses. Going to have more on that next year. We are thinking about the hope of glory. God meets with Moses and the glory of God radiates from Moses' face. And our reading from 2 Corinthians 3 puts that in a New Testament perspective, which is where all of us are living now, that God's Holy Spirit is in all of his people and his glory is radiating from us. We're going to think about where we are in the story of God's people a little bit. We've jumped around in Exodus a bit over the summer, and that's been deliberate. Then we'll come on to think about, well, what, what does this story actually mean for all of us this morning? Last week, we hit the low point in the book of Exodus, the story of the golden calf. And we're, uh, if you haven't caught up with that, we're having a few technical issues about getting that online, but you can catch up with all of our sermons uh, on our YouTube channel if you haven't subscribed to that. But now Moses has gone back to meet with God again, and he does this. He's got a little tent of meeting outside the camp. This time, God reveals his glory to Moses in a new way. Then he gets him to make two new stone tablets to replace the ones which he smashed when he found the people partying around the golden calf. God tells Moses, I can't believe I'm about to say this, keep taking the tablets. I can only apologize. Uh, once again, Moses is up Mount Sinai for 40 days. And then chapter 34, verse 29, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. That's not very surprising if you heard the story last week because their last exchange didn't go very well. Is God going to destroy the people because of their sin? That's what they're all wondering. No, instead Moses calls them over and teaches them everything that God has taught him in those 40 days on the mountain. And then he puts a veil over his face because of the radiance of God. 
God speaks to his people through these final chapters of Exodus in exactly the same way that he spoke to them before. Why is that important? It's important because it is clear that their sins have been atoned for by the blood which was shed after what happened with the golden calf. They're not having to walk on eggshells with God. Is this God who's going to destroy them? Is he not? Are they okay? Are they not? No. He's straight away back to normal. But it is also clear that there's a separation between God and his people. Moses bridges that gap. God speaks directly to Moses. We don't really know what that looks like in the tent of meeting, um, but he speaks directly to him. And he is left with the radiance of God's glory so that people struggle to look at him. Clearly they can, because there are bits where he's not veiled, but uh, they can't look at him all the time. Without Moses, it is very clear that God's people would not have survived. He is able to stand before God's holiness, but he is also able to stand before the people. He can talk to God about the people and to the people about God. Now, in 2 Corinthians 3, you might want to turn up page 1160. Paul puts this in perspective. In verse 15, he says, Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers listeners' hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So in Christ, everything that separates us from God is swept away. So when Jesus dies on the cross, the curtain of the temple, which is about twice as high as uh, the top of this building, and is mass it's like a foot thick or something, it's a stupidly thick bit of cloth, that curtain is torn in two from top to bottom. That curtain separated the most holy place in the temple, where only the high priest could go, from the rest of the temple where everyone could go. Jesus' death ends that separation. Now God's people can once again be face to face with him, just like Moses was, just like Adam and Eve were at the beginning. That was the intention of creation, that we should be face to face with God. That is where we're going in the new creation. We're going to be face to face with God and he's going to wipe away all our tears. Verse 17 now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This is how God's people are face to face with him, in the person of the Holy Spirit, living in every believer. The Holy Spirit gives freedom. Believers in Jesus no longer have the written law with its really complicated system of ritual sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice is once and for all. Verse 18, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That is a great truth. And I think it's quite hard to absorb, actually, that if you trust in Jesus, you reflect the Lord's glory. Just for a minute, this might be weird in a Church of England service. Turn to someone near you and say, I reflect God's glory to you. 
And now, that's not a long thing to say. You're just chatting now. And now say, you reflect God's glory to me. Very good. Now, don't go too far with this. Uh, don't, don't just keep chatting to each other. There's plenty of time in the service for that. Um, all of us are still sinners in need of a saviour. And that's going to be the way it is until we get to that new creation. We have not been transformed fully. We are being transformed into Jesus' likeness with ever-increasing glory. That's what Paul says. You know, what? one of the great privileges of being a church leader is you just see this all the time in people. People who've been a Christian for many decades, you, probably you all know, when you meet them, they have a sort of glow about them, like those old adverts for Ready Breck. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, look that up on YouTube. What a happy afternoon you'll have. Christians experience the Holy Spirit in and through each other. And when you meet somebody who's had that for a long time, it just sort of kind of calls out to you in them. You just have that sense of the Holy Spirit with them. And this is why the worshipping community of the church is so important. Because you can't experience the Holy Spirit in and through each other if you're not connected to those other people. It's just common sense. It is also a great motivator for those days I'm sure today wasn't one of those days, friends, but those days when you wake up and you just don't fancy worshipping with other people. We all have them. I have to turn up because it's what they pay me the big bucks for. Um, worship is about what you bring as well as what you receive. Worship is about what you bring as well as what you receive. People sometimes, I don't know if you've heard people refer to church as being a bit like a petrol station where you're filled up for your week. That's not wrong, it's just not always one way. Because you might actually come to the petrol station and find out that you're not the car at all, you're actually the pump for somebody else. I'm gonna just let that sink in for a moment. You might not be the car, you might be the pump. And if this recording still lasts in 30 or 40 years' time, they're going to have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> if it's true that you reflect God's glory to me, then when you bring yourself, God can use you. Those mornings where I wake up and it's my job and I have to be here and I'm just not in the mood, I just trust that God will use what I've got and what I've done to prepare. When you bring yourself, God can use you. I'm not talking about church services on their own. I'm talking about worship in a holistic sense. You worship God all the time. You don't just come to worship God in a service. You worship God in everything you're doing, of course in church, but in a small group, but at home and at work, and whether you're paid or unpaid, when you're at home, when you're with your friends and your family, you reflect God, you're worshipping God in everything that you're doing. When you just don't fancy it, whatever it is, God can use you. And it's often in those moments where he will, actually. When you just turn up and you're there in spite of yourself. And it is a huge blessing when you realise that you have blessed somebody else. You know, sometimes 
you bless someone else just by existing. So have you ever found that? You know, you, you uh, we, because uh, they're a mile line, you bring a baby to church, that's a huge blessing to a lot of people. Uh, because some of us have children who've grown up and it's really nice to see small children. You bless each other just by existing sometimes. The simplest thing can be a blessing. You know, a smile and a friendly hello to someone who hasn't spoken to anybody else that day. A listening ear for a problem. You often just have to sit there, don't you? Don't, I, I often make the mistake of thinking I have to say something when I'm listening. Often people just need to unload, and you could be that person who just listens. A laugh when life is generally sad. My mum fell in love with my dad because he made her laugh, and she had been really sad for some years after her divorce. A treat when times are lean. You know, you can be that person who turns up with I don't know what a treat would be for you, a box of biscuits or chocolate or a meal, a frozen meal just ready for someone who just can't face cooking. It's a wonderful promise that we are being transformed into Jesus' likeness with ever-increasing glory. That is what that passage says. Day by day, little by little, if the Holy Spirit is at work in you and you can be sure that the Holy Spirit is at work in you if you've trusted in Jesus. Your rough edges are being smoothed out. The mess that sin leaves all over your life is steadily being tidied up. Someone is running around your life with a little dustpan and brush, clearing it up. So, God brings, so bring to God those things which you struggle with in your life. The unhelpful ways of being that are often so ingrained, because you see that as we get older, I don't want this to sound like it's all glory and wonderful stuff, because those ways of being uh, that we have that are not helpful sometimes get really ingrained as well, don't they? Uh, those of you who are a bit older will understand when I say they can be very hard to get out of. But if you're ever unsure of what to ask God for in prayer, ask him for something you know he wants to give you. Keep asking God to transform you to reflect his glory better. He wants to give you that. Ask God to transform you to reflect his glory better. Now, we're going to have some ministry time in this service, but it's going to happen a little bit differently. We're going to do it, because we've got communion in the service, we're going to do it at the point where you come up to receive communion. So there'll be the opportunity just to have a simple prayer prayed over you. And if you're on our prayer ministry team, I haven't got it printed out because I left a piece of paper at home uh, because even though I brought what I've prepared, I haven't brought everything I've prepared, Never mind. Um, so you're gonna have to remember if you're on our prayer ministry team, we are praying that you will continually be transformed into Jesus' likeness with ever increasing glory and that you will reflect God's glory to others. Those are the things. Someone will pray. If you come up and take communion, I'm going to get the people who, uh, who are going to be praying to come up and receive first. Then they're going to stand on either side. And when you've received, you can go pray with somebody. And I'll just give you a reminder when we get there, so don't panic.
So we reach the end of Exodus then with that second bit of our reading, those two little verses that we heard. As the cloud covers the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord fills the brand new tabernacle. If you're thinking this is the first we've heard of the tabernacle, there could be a whole series about the tabernacle. Maybe we'll go there in the future. The place where the people meet with God at this stage in history. We are not home and dry. We are still in the middle of the desert, waiting to get to the promised land. That's where we're going to leave you. To go back to then to all those products and services which promise transformation, the bad news, friends, is no matter what wonder cream or surgical treatment or uh, life-changing new habit you pick up, we are all falling to bits. I'm sorry to say, you might feel young and beautiful you won't be that way for too long. <laughs> the good news is that we are, who do we say we are at this church? We say we are God's transforming people in our parish to love Jesus, to serve and tell others, to be community. That is the beginning and the end. It begins and ends with Jesus and God's transformation. God's business is transformation and his promise is that he is at work in you and me right now let's pray and just in the quiet just whatever has been speaking to you this morning, ask the Holy Spirit to work it into your heart. May you be transformed continually into Jesus' likeness with ever-increasing glory by the power of the Holy Spirit, and may you reflect God's glory to others. Amen.